Okay, here we are, and we welcome to the Plainly Queer podcast. In this episode, Paul and I will be talking about queer mental health. Say hello, Paul. Hi, everyone. Hello, pod partner. Hello, pod partner. <laughs> uh, yeah, pod partner. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, you enjoy but that. But it sounds exactly. kind of like, you know, in a polyamory sort of way as well. So, like, let's just say it's podcasting partner, not anything else, just in case, you know, we don't want to get it too confused. Rumors will be starting. I know. We've only, we're only out the gate and rumors are already starting. So, oh, well, rumors are uh, good, you know. Okay, so queer mental health. Yeah. Okay, so throw something out there. Throw something out there. So what do we want to talk about? So uh, there's a couple of topics in this. Uh, there is there is internalized homophobia and how that affects mm-hmm. stress. There is minority stress and how this all comes out. Uh, external homophobia, oh, for obvious reasons. Uh, there is well, coming out. We've already covered that in one of the episodes. So but how do you feel uh-huh. about internalized homophobia? internalized homophobia this is something that i suppose i struggled to grasp when i first heard of it and because you kind of think about it's all about what comes at you and you don't realize what you're perpetuating within yourself these feelings Mm. of that that hatred or that kind of anger that frustration just turned against yourself yeah. And that, I suppose, what is the internal homophobia? Have we got a definition? Have you got a definition of internalized homophobia? Have we got a definition. Let me see. I have something here. So internalized. So the internalized negative attitudes towards one's own sexuality and gender identity. So in, in that sense, it's it can lead to obviously self-loathing and low self-esteem. But it's basically so it's it's everything that is in say touching on this again but like when you're growing up and you you hear the word queer but it's in the negative or you hear the word faggot and you're basically being you know cooked in a culture or cooked in a world that says these things are bad and then as you're growing up you start to go oh my god I'm those things that people said were bad and then I start to internalize I must be bad Uh, and I think as well you know if you're not you know, in the queer community, if you're not near people like you, if you don't see people like you, that is not challenged for a very long time until you start to come into your own, until you start coming into meeting people that are um, in that world and living Mm. openly, happily, without judgment. And, you know, it's not the, it's not the worst case scenario that you've been told your whole life. Uh, but like that, like what you said there, you you may not know you have these feelings about yourself. What's the? Do you remember Panty Bliss in checking yourself? Yes. Yes. The, I always think of oh, that, and I would have done that. Are, I better this is check why we are myself. Bad gays. This is why we, we don't know what this. I think it's a call. Nobel call. No, it's this is this is why we should not go ever go to Panty Bar again. <laughs> I know Panty, if you're listening, and we're really sorry. I'm going to noble call. It's the, the noble call. I knew it was like some sort of call. Yeah, noble yeah. call. <laughs> uh, but that was very impassioned. I remember watching that, and I think. Yeah, it's it's nice to go back to that because it was such a pivotal moment and such a pivotal speech. It was that checking yourself, and yeah. just. I remember it was like stopping at the traffic lights, wasn't it? And it was kind of yeah. just checking yourself, just how you are in the space and having to constantly do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I definitely would have done that. I didn't want to be seen as um, queer or I didn't want to be seen as being, when I was younger, being a dyke was the worst thing you could possibly be. As a lesbian, it's like it was some sort of you, 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 I don't know what it was. You looked bad or you looked butcher, you looked whatever. And it's just, that's not what you wanted. And I was, well, is that, is that what does, is that what it means? If I'm queer and I come out, am I butch? And then I started to check myself going, well, what is, what is butch? What does that look like? And and there was that internalized piece that I was grappling with and checking myself for going, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to look like that. Or, and then Obviously, that took years of undoing, unlearning and processing going, that was never mine. And there's nothing wrong with it in the first place. If you're, there's all these ways of being in the world, none of them are wrong. It's just, it's just the way you are. 
Oh yeah, I think even as you're talking, what's going on for me is this whole thing in the gay world, masculine and feminine, and that's this whole yeah. thing that to be a gay man and be a feminist, this, this, and then there's the other side of it to be mask, and yeah. the the masculine guys would kind of really, in a way, look down on the feminine guys, as in yeah. there's that whole thing going on, and that is that internalized homophobia, and that's the kind of the the shame and the the anger and everything like that it's kind of yeah it's it's really destructive and I, I there's a really good book I don't know I recommend it I said this to you a while ago I don't know if you kind of looked it up it's very good it's The Velvet Rage I think it's oh, Alan Down's yeah. name yeah and a very good book about internalized homophobia and shame and basically living kind of really inauthentically in life as in mm-hmm. going through life looking for this validation constantly looking for validation and Mm. not when you don't get that validation or authentic validation there's inauthentic Mm. validation but that doesn't serve you any purpose and Mm. you keep kind of doing these things and keep i think he gave the he gave the example of these kind of this gay man giving lavish dinner parties and mm. throwing these big fancy soirees and having their designer homes and their designer kind of brand having the look. clothing having the look but it's yeah. totally inauthentic validation yeah. and it just doesn't it just fuels that kind of fire within that velvet rage and mm. to actually that that val kind of that authentic validation but but that it's so difficult to actually do. You have to know that yourself, though. For yourself, yeah, you have to kind yeah. of have a sense of yourself and yeah. do things for yourself. You know, I am most definitely queer, and and I had to figure out what that meant for me. And I I that was I mean I suppose listen everybody's becoming story is a figuring out story. But if you have a lot of representation examples all of that sort of stuff it's going to be a little bit easier I think but if you don't you you go searching hopefully you search in the right places and it's okay and it's safe but sometimes it may not be and then you get that more shame go on yeah you're going to say something I think when we're talking about that blueprint and we have the freedom to go and be who we want to be and then you're kind of crap who who do I want to be but you're kind of like okay if I choose not to have children or to go down the road of adoption or I choose to be kind of solo in life Mm. what is there in that and Mm. can can I find contentment in that is the world going to be a safe space if I choose that because if you think about it in that situation, the world is a lonely place. The heteronormative kind of blueprint, you have children, you have a partner, and you're set for life. You've kind yeah. of, you've got this That purpose. works out well for them as well. Yeah, you've got this <laughs> thing to do. You've got these distractions. And yeah. of course, there's happiness and there's fulfillment and there's purpose in those distractions. But that's what life is. We're here to procreate, uh, if you break it down, yeah. uh, that biologically. And then I like to think of gay people as like X-Men came along and they're like the mutated genes. But <laughs> it's probably just mother nature kind of population control. But... Where am I going with this? I suppose. I don't know. I'm... We're going into genes and mother nature. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. Um, what I'm saying is the kind of, we're talking about mental health. And yeah. if you think about it, we being in, following a heteronormative narrative mm. is a cause for stress, anxiety, depression. That's all being kind of proven. Mm. We're individuals are more prone to mental health issues as they progress through life as a result yeah. of being a minority. The inauthenticness of it, yeah. Exactly. But then, okay, so go be who you want to be. But then there's also anxiety in that. And there's also kind of, yeah. oh my God, okay, what what do I what do I be? What, what can I be? But there's also when you go do that, when you go be you, and mm. it's different from the norm, and I'm, you know, inverted commas here, the norm, you are judged, you are checking yourself, you are called out, or you're just more exposed now. Mm. And that is another layer of what can affect stress levels. Walking down the street, am I going to be okay today? And now that's something I've never had to contend with, but 
that is what a lot of queer people have to contend with if they go outside the norm. And it's not, again, I, I use, talk about language. It isn't the norm. The The heteronormative was just something that, gosh, I was going to say, I was going to get into a topic of religion there that the church had a lot to do with that. But I won't go down that rabbit hole. That, that'll be a conversation for another day, maybe. But uh, definitely everybody being themselves is what's normal. If we could wrap our heads around that. And I, and I know what you're going to come back and say to me is, oh, I'm living in the la-la land again. Of, you don't know um, me, Claudia. You don't know I'm back <laughs> with that. <laughs> Maybe I'll mix it up and try something different. Throw it at me. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I, I do understand that, I suppose. But yeah, no, listen, you're not living in La La Land. It's great to have hope. We have to have hope. But mm. I suppose it's going out on your own and being your own person and being authentic to yourself is isolating just by definition of what it is it's isolation you're going away from making other people happy to just making yourself happy it's it's i suppose it's a form of kind of like it's selfish in a way it's like oh i'm going to live my life for myself and i'm going to be authentic and true to myself yeah the more you're you the more happy you are the more you are if you've ever been in the company of somebody who's just themselves who's living their best lives is the way that they need it to be that is infectious that is for me that is the goal and there's nothing selfish about that do you believe they've had to sacrifice relationships to get that way to be that uh, way. well it depends yes like i mean yes there is probably if you turn around and you say i'm no longer able to do this anymore i cannot live a lie or i cannot live in a way that keeps you happy and me unhappy and that mm. person is but i only like you this way then you will lose them but what have you lost it is a loss and there is a grieving process don't get me wrong mm. uh, but it's Gosh, is it a bit like dead weight? You know, they're holding you back. I suppose if we had to kind of, I think about this myself, how much of what we do is to, is for other people, is to mm. kind of, but not even in a, in a, not even helping other people, but appeasing other people are to kind of, you know what I get, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like how much of, what we do is not actually in our best interests, but it's yeah. to gain favor of others and yeah. to kind of navigate through life with relationships. There's the benefits I, of therapy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, There's where the awareness comes in. It's like that piece. What What is it? I don't know. You know, how is it I'm acting that is just so automatic that I'm just, I've done this my whole life. And then you get the wake up call and you go, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. I actually don't enjoy living my life in a way that is to make others okay to make others just Mm. so or it's not that i'm out there kicking dogs or cursing at toddlers (laughs) but at the same time it's like you've got to when you when you have awareness of who you are what your likes are genuinely just for yourself when was the last time somebody asked you who you were who i was oh wow why don't you ask me who are you who am i i i do a lot of journaling well i have phases if i go through phases of journaling and then i'll go a couple of weeks without it i tend to kind of lean into it when i need it but i i i done my epitaph once they one way yeah one of these things was to write your eulogy for yourself Mm. and to write your epitaph as in what would be on your kind of your gravestone and oh i think it was who are you i'm I'm a holy, no, I should dig this out. I should get my journal and dig it out. <laughs> we'll try and add it we'll in. We'll do it in another episode, definitely, because I want to hear this. I think but how, it do, was, how like, do you figure you? Oh, because you you kind of, who? how do you want to be remembered? Who are yeah. you? How do you want to be remembered? And I think a wholly complicated individual or something is what it was. And I know I oh, am. Nice. I'm really complex and kind of... <laughs> that's just who i am but oh i wish I, i'd bring my journal next time and i'll try and kind of think that in. <laughs> i look forward to it yeah yeah one but... of the ways as you were talking there about writing the epitaph i think that's brilliant and 
And what comes up for me sometimes, what I would say, I, I, you get the question, as a therapist, you get the question going, I don't know what it is I want. I don't know where I'm at or really confused with what is it I should be doing or mm-hmm. all of these sorts of things. And it's okay, well, what would your perfect day look like? If you could w- wave a magic wand and like make it practical as in, it's not like living in the Seychelles and private planes and that sort of stuff. Well, it may be if, if that's what you, what you want, but does it include working? And if it includes working, does it include friends? What friends? So what time do you want to get up at in a day? What is it your morning would look like on a perfect morning? What is your work day? If you could magic wand the perfect work day for yourself, what would it look like? And just play it, play it out. Have dinner with those friends or, and then you start to go, okay, well, what are the parts of that that you can actively do now? And then what start building really? your life yeah. around it. There are very good tips there, Cloda. I, yeah. I I like the way you balance this with actually professional level advice. <laughs> and I'm here thinking, ask me that question again, because I've got the answer now. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Who are you, Paul? I am a bloody mess. I am a mess. Okay. <laughs> I'm a disaster. I'm all those things, but I'm also accomplished and I'm also grateful. And yeah, yeah I, I'm just, I'm contradictions. That's what I am. Yeah. I'm one big massive contradiction. I think that's so human, you know, mm. and especially, okay, so here, here, here are two therapists talking and you go, oh, they definitely have their lives together. They definitely know and all of this sort of stuff. And because this is what they do all day, every day. I'm like, you know, I have good days, but Jesus Christ, there are days where I'm like, you need to go talk to somebody, you know, it is, I am complicated. I am grateful for my life, but I actually, a couple of years ago as well, using that piece, what would my day look like? I broke that down and then I was, okay, well, how do I want my life to go? And I started doing it in the most smallest of ways that I could. And it takes time. It takes effort. It takes real honesty with yourself but if you are in any way kind to yourself if you can love yourself even a little bit I think that's worth investing in and again start with the day what time would you get up who would you talk to what foods would you eat what music would you listen to and if the job you're doing right now isn't the job you want in that day okay how could I look at that what can I do with that do you know what someone's listening going this is very podcasty advice this is like that advice <laughs> that sounds great in practice it's kind yeah. of difficult and it is making those small changes can yeah. be so difficult but i yeah i do i do think what you're saying is so true you start with the, the smallest of things yeah. and it's like a snowball it's gonna roll yeah. and roll and get bigger and bigger you're gonna feel better and better about it uh, but it is and listen life's not perfect life is tough the yeah. You have to you have to work so hard these days to kind of to just live in the lifestyle that we've all become accustomed to, even to pay your electricity bill now. You know, that kind of way oh, yeah. this is all so difficult. So finding those things to make your perfect day can be difficult, but like that, yeah. it's, it's little But if you little, don't know what little. it looks like, you're going to get to another five years or ten years mm. and not have and not have a not having looked at it, not having understood it, not having checked it out. So yeah. even just the first step, check it out. What is it? What is it for you? Uh, but yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my podcast advice for today, folks. Uh, so <laughs> that's amazing podcast advice. That's great. <laughs> anyway, I another suppose... topic close to this will be the externalized homophobia. So we've looked at the internalized, which is kind of as a result of externalized, which is uh, turned against the self. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, I was trying to remember, have I? There's actually something that's come into my mind just as we say that. And I know we've talked about shame and so there's a quote that I remember I put into an essay, I think last year, like uh, that depression is anger turned against the self. Oh, wow. Yeah. There was something around, there was a theory or a concept that depression was anger turned against the self Uh, yeah I I don't know why that came into my head but I think it just kind of the internalized homophobia and that that shame and the anger and just that self kind of loathing 
it is true in a way i mean yeah i know i'm not lessening depression is it's it's the big it's the big cloud that kind of can descend or, yeah. and it just is so hard to see the light through it and um, yeah let's talk about depression yeah great <laughs> uh, but do you know what um, more you're more likely to suffer from depression in the queer community than in the heteronormative it's the numbers say that it is more likely and for a lot of reasons including the internalized externalized homophobia the heteronormativity mm. the lack of legal and social protections even health disparities so there's there is loads that that um, lead into why depression is more likely and I think as well for a long number of years and I think we're only kind of out of the cloud of this is that your depression was caused by being queer it was mm. it, it was it's not natural it's not right you shouldn't be doing it all of this sort of stuff if you went for help even conversion therapy was to try and get you out of it which was all perpetuating the depression if you are able to live your life the way you need to live it and uh, that goes a hell of a long way to inviting happiness into your into your life you know mm. and you really have to think as well that it's it's totally environment as well especially in relation mm. to kind of mental health issues because it can be hereditary it can be in our genes and it's totally our environment then that kind of activates it or triggers it and sometimes there's not much you can do about your environment and that can be a really a really terrible situation when you can't yeah. take yourself out of the environment that's causing you the distress yeah and i suppose that is where kind of i guess therapy can come in and forms of therapy and just like yeah. that you touched on self-care but, um, but the importance some, of naming uh, that you know the importance of what you've just named there like for somebody who doesn't realize oh why am i depressed there's something wrong with me why can't i just get over this why can't i just be happy or anything like that and being able to name your environment is actually quite toxic your environment is not conducive to you living your life the way that you need to and that's what's causing the de depression that's what's really hard at the moment it's not something wrong with you depression isn't something wrong with a person it is a symptom of something mm. uh, and i think that's really again what you've just said if you can name that and somebody can really own that and uh, it can it can lessen the shame. It can lessen the guilt of, I shouldn't be this way. I should be able to get on and be happy and all of these things. And hopefully as well, talk about it. I'm really struggling in this situation. Not, mm. I'm not okay. It's okay. Obviously, it's okay to say I'm not okay. But the point is putting the blame on yourself versus I'm having a really bad reaction to a really tough environment. So normal. Oh, totally. And I, I think my own experience of kind of depressive symptoms would be that just not wanting to get up, not wanting to get out of bed, just kind of acknowledging yeah. that I feel awful right now. Literally, I don't want to get out of bed. And you're constantly selling, telling yourself, trying to fight it. You're trying to fight yeah. it going, okay, get out of bed, get out of bed and do something, get out of bed and do something. No, I don't want to get out of bed and do something. And yeah. you kind of, you spend hours doing that and it can be hard to get out of it. And I suppose, like you said, the important thing is to not beat yourself up about it. Like sometimes life, as Ronan Keating said, is a roller coaster <laughs> and you will go through oh up and down, God. natural ups and downs. Uh, it's the world We've just we lost a lot of people agree. on that. Thank you very much. Any of the listeners are, oh my God, they're quoting Ronan Keating now. I think that. Okay. I apologize for Paul's behalf for that. <laughs> No apologies. That was a very good uh, reference. I actually love that song. I love Life is a Roller Coaster. It's such a tune. <laughs> but uh, yes, no, yeah, it's you, life can be difficult. But I suppose, like you said, it's in those moments. Uh, it can be tough to get yourself out of it. I sometimes yeah. I think of like depressive episodes as like this sludge. It's really hard to move in it, and it's really hard yeah. to get yourself going in it. And sometimes as well, there's that darkness and you just can't see the light. No matter yeah. how hard you try to look for the light, it's so hard to find it. And yeah, yeah it, that's why mental health, it's it's just so important to just look out for it. Recognize 
yourself when you feel like that you tap into yourself Mm -hmm. say okay i'm depressed at the moment i'm going through this little bit of a low patch and Mm -hmm. just to kind of be compassionate to yourself be understanding but just say it's okay that i'm like this it's okay not to be okay and sit with that be with that and if you if you can't get through it or you're kind of really at a low point then reach out yeah yeah. therapy there's always your gp there's avenues like that Uh, because no one has to go through stuff alone there's always support actually what i might do is at the end of this episode on the show notes i'll add in a couple of resources of where you can reach out so there's loads of resources in in definitely an irish context and that i will add in so people can if you are in need check them out and do talk to somebody because it's normally if we leave it inside our heads and we leave it inside our heads with shame guilt and all of this blame it can get really dark so do shed share it with somebody and shed some light on me i like that shed some light we yes. oh, i was going to touch on something what was it yes i want to go back to journaling because I'll, I'll give out my little i uh, i really recommend journaling to everyone yeah. and anyone um, and yeah. it's a great form of therapy for yourself you, you mm-hmm. literally sit down with your thoughts it's a dialogue with yourself directly for you get whatever's in your head out on a page and the it's just launch. for you yeah just yeah. for you for no one else lock it away in a drawer and it's nice to have that kind of outlet just to kind of write stuff down some people do audio ones as well where you kind of record mm. that you, you could basically call this journaling i suppose yeah, <laughs> yeah. journaling um, together I, the audio ones i i which is seems odd considering i'm doing podcasts but i can't stand the sound of my voice so i'm like no i could not listen back to that if i needed to oh what was that thing that i was going through last week or and I'd be much more of a visual person now than I'd, I'd never listen to them back and God only knows what I could say. So mm. yeah. uh, how do you journal? As in, I, it's something, it's always been recommended. It's not something I have a grow for. I, what I do sometimes is if I'm going through something particularly tough and I would have done it more so a few years ago and I knew I was working through something and maybe it was a depression, maybe it was something specific, but the when I'm feeling good let's say when I'm feeling kind of actually I've got a bit of a handle on this I can understand this a little bit more I know what I need to do I write a letter to myself when I'm not feeling great so it's like okay what does that mean need to hear when I'm really struggling so you know specific issues might come up again and again and again and it's like we've been down this path and I still get caught so okay what do I need to hear in that moment? Because it's so hard when you're in it. There's so much if you're in the fight, flight, freeze response, if you are mm. triggered into that uh, survival. The the brain science of this is, is that you, you're, the front of your brain, the prefrontal cortex goes offline. It gets turned way down in terms of its processing ability of going, huh, I don't feel great today. I actually haven't felt great for the past week. Oh, I have depression or I'm going into a depressive episode or something is happening and I maybe my anxiety is going up. But when all of that is up and has started and is ramping and all of that sort of stuff, your brain does not have the capacity to go, oh, I need to do my self-care here. I need to check in with somebody. I need to make sure I'm getting up at the same time every day and doing whatever, go for a walk. Those stupid walks for my mental health that keep working, raging. But all of those things that I need to know and do for myself is really hard to think about when you're in it because literally our brains are struggling to end at its most optimal level. So mm. writing a letter to myself in those moments is, is really helpful of going, okay, what are the basics? What are the things that I need to do in a day that will get me through? And I know, and what is it I need to hear? I've been here before and I know what's going on. I know the process now tell myself the process in that moment it's not it's not the worst thing it's not the end of the world i've been here i've done it this is what i've done to get out of it let's do it again yeah i do love letters to the self i do them every now and then when you do that little kind of pick me up and sometimes when i'm journaling actually i'll go from first person to third person so I'll, I'll actually turn into a therapist and yeah. start having this session with myself and I'll start talking in the third person about myself oh, wow. or start giving myself advice or talking and then I'll switch yeah. back. 
it's really where the with the the two kind of the, the brain is working two in hats. that situation. Yeah, yeah, the the two hats, but it works, and you yeah. find what works for you. I suppose. Okay, what's your self care practice? If you're feeling a bit kind of low, bit down, bit anxious, what's your kind of go to? Uh, my go to that always works, and it's sometimes the hardest thing is to go for a walk. And if mm. I can get to nature, if I can get to water, that always makes me feel better. Um, and it doesn't have to be long. So I have fibromyalgia. So m- my energy levels are never great at the best mm. of times. So I literally limit it to 20 minutes. So 10 minutes in one direction, turn around and 10 minutes back. Now, that doesn't feel like a lot. Sometimes it can feel like it's bloody 20 miles, never mind 20 minutes. But yeah. um, when I am feeling low, feeling whatever, feeling tired, whatever, whatever's going on for me, and I don't want to go for those walks, and maybe it's the third day and I'm okay, now you definitely have to go. And I'll do, I said, okay, all you have to do is 10 minutes there and 10 minutes back. That's all you have to do. And invariably, I'll feel better. And by the time I even get to the first 10 minutes out, I go, okay, yeah, keep going. You're fine. You're good. And I might do another 10 minutes and then come back, you know, that sort of way. But yeah, that's, that's the most basic. But in saying that, actually, there's a lot of work that I have done. And I'm sure you're the same on this. Having gone through the, the training to be a therapist, but also you have to go through your own personal. The gauntlet? You mean the gauntlet yeah. for being a therapist? <laughs> yeah. The uh, mental there's an gauntlet. episode... Yeah, there's an episode on to be a therapist. Do you ever see Gladiators um, in the 90s? It used to be on the Saturday <laughs> evening, the Gladiators, and Eureka Johnson would be there. And that's what I love Eureka Johnson. Or yeah. counseling therapy is like, or training is like trying to get yeah. through uh, the Gladiator gauntlet. But go on, sorry. <laughs> we really dated ourselves there now. Uh, what was I going to say? That? I've lost my. my, my You're uh, thinking about therapy. Gladiators, aren't you? <laughs> in their <sad> neck. <laughs> oh jesus yeah and uh, no uh, what i was gonna say is oh yeah my biggest battle was myself my own head and my own thoughts i was one of those people who was like you are the worst person you are an asshole and you have to be really careful or people are going to find out you're an asshole mm-hmm. and over time shipping away that through therapy through just increasing my awareness around how I talk to myself that was probably the biggest self-care that I changed how I spoke to myself and I do that still I my relationship with myself is 10 times better than what it was 100 times better than what it was so I don't give out to myself anymore I might call myself oh you feckin' idiot why did you do that but I'm doing it now in a kind way rather than a you feckin' need it. Why did you do that? You're shit. You're this. You're this. You're everything under the sun. I'd pile it on top of myself, and it could be overspilt milk. So that's how I care for myself. I don't. I won't talk to myself in a way that I wouldn't talk to a friend. I I just wouldn't. I don't don't do it anymore. I think you've touched on something that's so important. It's how we speak to ourselves, and yeah. I I would totally. I am not as advanced as you. I have not gotten to the stage where I'm checking myself in my brain going, no, don't talk to yourself like that. Sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm a man. I'm not a child. Sometimes I go very, I would have very kind of be quick to emotional reactions in situations where I'm triggered. And Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself that I am actually a fully grown man and I am capable. I am not in danger in this situation. You're totally fine. You're very much in control. You've gotten this far in life. It's amazing how I revert back to kind of that scared, frightened, vulnerable, younger self. And that's sometimes I feel like I have to talk to myself and say, you're a grown ass man. Do Do you ever do inner child work on that? Do you know I've I've done a lot of personal therapy. I've, you know yourself. Yeah. You go through core yeah. training. You have to do your 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably close to the hundred. But for me, there is. I operate on two kind of planes, like practical plane and an emotive plane, and the two mm. of them kind of, you know, that's why I'm complex and contradiction. But <laughs> yeah, but I suppose for me, it's hard to go back to that place it's hard to connect the emotion because i think it was so traumatic back there 
that I okay. just totally cut myself off from the emotion. I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to know yeah. what it was. And, and I'm maybe some people would be in similar situations that grew up in kind of environments like that. But yeah, I totally wanted to detach. And yeah. So it's hard for me to go back and do an inner child. I probably could do it. It's something I would like to explore because in my yeah. personal therapy, I have only ever gone back a certain amount of time. I yeah, yeah, yeah. you can you know, only do that when you feel safe. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's no I, point going back to something you're not safe with going I back to. I think it's memory for me as well. I think there's a yeah. lot of repressed memories um, mm. or I just didn't hold on to them because they like that they were so awful they were so traumatic I just you know well, but they probably are there yeah. unconsciously kind of spinning away and affecting me in some way as I go through life obviously as I revert yeah. to this like younger <laughs> self and uh, scared child but, but the, I think that'll speak to a lot of people because a lot of people will come in going, I don't have memories from my childhood. Mm. And it was because they were shut down for a lot of it. It was too scary. It was too, it was too traumatic sometimes. And it was safer to shut down. And again, that fight, flight, freeze, when you go into that process, your brain's ability to work the way it's supposed to, when I say that, but to lay down memories, there's a certain process it has to go through. And if your body is in survival mode, it's going to the most basic primitive, get you out of a situation and get you to stay alive. Mm. It is not worried about, oh, this thing is just after happened. How how do I feel about that? What is how do I want to remember this? Is there something I should do here that like should I speak up for myself? Blah blah blah. All of that is gone out the window. What it does is something bad is happening. Get out. Get to safety. Or if you can't get to safety, right, I'm shutting you down so this doesn't overwhelm you. So your brain is not laying down those memories. Now, the body is remembering it because the cortisol, the adrenaline, all of those hormones that uh, get you to fight or run or whatever it is you need to do are still very much in the body. So if you have enough situations going on repeatedly, your body never gets in back into a place where it's calm, where it's okay, where it's safe again, and your brain can go, oh, okay, we're back to normal services. I can start doing what the normal things are and remembering stuff, as in laying down those memories mm. into the filing cabinet so they're easily accessible. And so a lot of people come in going, I don't I, like, I don't remember things. I, I don't know what's there, but yet they have all these symptoms. It's not that you have to go back and tell the story. It's not that you have to go back and remember everything. But trust that there's something going on and meet that. Trust the symptoms of your body and just go go with that. And with, of course, care, kindness with a trained therapist if you need it. I think what uh, something you're, you're speaking to there is, and I suppose it just goes to show the power of therapy. There's so many different directions or so many different kind of ways that therapy can help you can go back and do that kind of inner child work or you can deal with anxiety in the here and now or depression through cbt or there's so yeah. many different ways you can utilize therapy and there's yeah. so many different modalities that you can kind of and i suppose you find what suits you or what kind mm. of lessens your distress in the moment because i suppose yeah. going back and doing inner child work it's amazing it's great it'll get, get you one step closer to that individuation and becoming the person mm -hmm. that your true self but it's difficult it's deep psychodynamic it's work very hard yeah, yeah. It, it's deep and some people i suppose even for myself there'd be a fear of going too deep because you'll drown like how Ooh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. the vastness of what is in the past or yeah. how it affects it and even as i'm looking myself i'm looking at myself at the moment in this on the screen and i'm like yeah. my head is so small but the sum of my experiences is so vast mm. and i have them yeah. in here and the inner world is just it's basically like this universe yeah. in your in this head um, yeah well, I actually your have whole life, your whole life experience. <laughs> no, you your don't. He life. doesn't, people. He doesn't. <laughs> we will do the video someday and you will be able to see his head. Oh, yeah, my big pineapple <laughs> um, head. 
Uh, I think you, you've touched on something really important there, and that is you have to honor your experience. You have to honor mm. where you're at at the moment. So, like when I said to you about the inner child, you 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 obviously have a sense of that's not right for me right now, and that is absolutely fine. You you have to go with that. Forcing yourself into something is that's just being cruel again. It's 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 like that you know, authoritative parent going, "No, I don't care what you want. You have to do it," and it's like. No, that's not what it's about. That's not self-care. That's not minding yourself. This is us as adults now that are in control. And I remember when I started doing it, I remember this is, Jesus, this is going back a well number of years and hence why I needed a lot of therapy. But somebody asked, if you could imagine your younger self here now, uh, what, how would you feel? And I said, I fucking hate them. And they like, they were like, okay, right. Wow. Okay. And I, at that time, that's what I that's what I kind of felt. I mm. did not like myself. I didn't like anything got to do with me. And it was only when I started having that dialogue and very simple stuff. I had to externalize. If you had, when you get triggered and, and it's the younger self coming through, what age is it? Name an age. And it might be, I don't know, about seven. I'm like, okay, if you choose a seven-year-old and you're like, well, yeah, I do. And you go, okay, speak to that seven-year-old like you would speak to yourself right now. And I'm like, I wouldn't dare. Okay, well, why are you doing it to yourself? And that started to break it down. And again, I'm not making it out to be simple. It wasn't simple. It was really hard and it was really chip away bit by bit of this piece. So mm. eventually I did. I then started doing the meditation by... um Nicole LaPere, she's the holistic psychologist on Instagram, and some people might know her, but she does an inner child meditation where you meet the inner child and it's back in maybe your home, uh, your old childhood home, and you just, you mind them, you let them know that you're, the adult is here now, you're okay, you're safe, and you hug them or do whatever, if that feels comfortable. And it was through that then that that started to break down for me, that, that self-care was so much easier that kindness to myself was so much easier. So in a roundabout way, getting back to how I talk to myself now, that was part of my process to be able to do that. If I'm struggling or if I'm triggered or that that child part of me is coming through, I do not, I'm not cruel to it anymore. Mm. I, I, it's just like mental health. It's like, it's basically mind blowing. Yeah. Um, there's so many different things going on at any one time and I suppose when you don't have the, the, I know I, I mentioned the word distractions earlier I think mm -hmm. sometimes if you're if you have a lot going on in life if you have a lot of responsibility if you kind of if you go through the motions it's very easy for these things to build and build and build and just to ignore them or just kind of put them to the back of your mind and then it, it's easy to just let stuff be. Mm. It's, and I think it's very brave to just stop and actually face, like do the inner child work, take a look back, yeah. see, see why I am, how I am today. And it's, yeah. it's like, I, I know I said awareness is a double-edged sword. I mean, you get mm. all this great awareness, but then it's like, what do you do with it? What, it's okay. hard. Yeah, what do, I, what do I do now I know that why I am the way I am? Um, yeah. that a, recon a lot of uh, reconciliation, is that the word? No. Yeah. Oh, what that is the word. Reconciling. Yeah. Reconciling you, yourself. Yeah. I'm just struggling with yeah. my words now. Mm. Oh, it is. It's late in the evening, so and you're drunk, so. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not drunk. No, he's not. <laughs> this is just who I am, <laughs> like, all the time. This is how I talk. This is why uh, I'm I'm the babbly one, and you're the professional. Like you're, you know... you're you're authentically you, and that's why I love you. So <laughs> and you come in with your words of wisdom, and like you're like oh, an stop. oracle. You're like an oracle. Oh God, um, yeah. I didn't re I didn't even get to read my like cycle of oppression. Oh, I go was, for like, it. Cycle of oppression. You did this. tell me about this. Yeah, go for it. Tell me. I thought this was really interesting. And I think this yeah. kind of you know, you kind of say things are changing, things are getting better. It's gonna be mm. very la la like well, it is and it isn't, yeah. Yeah. 
and then I come in with my well, things are never going to change. Actually, the world uh, is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, balance, folks. <laughs> I you know, I was on the I was on the Lewis the tram yesterday with my niece, and mm. she's amazing, and she's eleven. But there was these kind of years that got on, and they were quite mm. loud and quite aggressive and quite. They were actually mm. quite dumb. They were just okay. kind of like really barbaric kind of behavior and just making everyone uncomfortable and just being loud and idiotic. Mm. And I was just, my niece was just looking at me going like, oh, and looking for reassurance. Oh, and I just yeah, her she little was scared. Going, yeah. Don't worry, you're okay. And then they got off a couple of stops later and I was just turned to her and I was like, they are everything that's wrong with the world and probably why we won't get very far as a civilization. <laughs> and then poor eleven year olds. I told you earlier, I have to stop thinking that they're adults. Like I'll talk to them like they're adults. Uh, I think she The world is doomed. You're eleven. The world is doomed. Take it. Run no, with it. She appreciates it. But um, <laughs> Where I'm taking this from is uh, yeah. a really good book, so anyone can get this. It's uh, the Queer Mental Health Workbook, and it's mm-hmm. by a Dr. Brendan J. Dunlop, and it has very good practical things for... Uh, put a link to it in the notes as well, yeah. I do. And now I have to find the page, so I need filler. Do you have anything that's in your head you could be filler at the moment? Do, 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 yeah, you could play do, one of your do, sound bites do. or something. Okay, so. Oh, yeah, I found out we had... Uh, hold on. Dramatic piano as you're doing this. Oh, no. Can you hear that? No, this is like, that's, sound like, no, no, I'm not up for that. I do not approve that. Uh, so we're talking approve. about minority stress, okay? So it's yeah. like, that's kind of the theory that being a sexual minority individual was inherently stressful due to stigma and discrimination resulting from interpersonal relationships and wider mm-hmm. systems of influence. So that would be family, mm. that would be school, college, work, all those systems of influence. Society, government, yeah. Society, go the pillars of society, yeah. uh, which is law, religion, health and politics. Hmm. Is it? I, didn't know that. Uh, I think there's four of them, yeah. Four pillars of society law, religion, health, and politics. And right. they say if like one or two of those crumbles away, then we all were doomed. Uh, there's probably a more specific theory about that, but I <laughs> that's just in my head. I'm actually quite an optimist. I'm not <laughs> I'm not usually this much of a pessimist. Now, like, yeah, yeah, right. I'm we know. In life, but I'm just maybe a realist is what I am more. But uh, so basically, mental health difficulties, queer people, uh, obviously minority stress uh, can affect us in different ways. But there's this kind of cycle of oppression where it's hard for us to get out of now i want to frame this as well okay because i don't want to be hetero bashing either and just mm-hmm. kind of alienate the majority of the population we talk you about them all this, don't you this is, no this is plainly <laughs> queer and we're talking about queer mental health but this is relevant yeah, 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 yeah. everyone it is important yeah. everyone and anyone going through life at the moment it's hard it's fucking hard yeah. and we all are faced with stresses in life and we we can all be affected by mental health whether it be depression anxiety so i would say hopefully this resonates like this resonates with people that kind of may be heterosexual but may think yeah. oh I've, I've been given this blueprint and it doesn't really fit my personality who i am or who i yeah. want to be in the world and that's totally there's fine. two boxes you know? yeah exactly and that's the great thing about queer it speaks to all that anything outside of the norm or that wants to go against the norm so just not to kind of i just wanted to put that yeah. in there like mental health that's all is right. just specific to one Paul doesn't hate group. the straights that's what he's saying no i'm all about it i'm all about inclusivity i'm all about it i'm just talking ridiculousness now okay so no, you're not. let's go through the cycle of oppression because i think this is really interesting So we start off living in a heteronormative and cisgendered world. So that's the assumption of heterosexuality, being cisgender, growing up believing that queer is wrong. So that's where we start. And then it goes on to the experience of minority stress as a queer individual. So you get the awareness of being different. Then you start to experience shame, marginalization and oppression 
Then there's a development of mental health difficulties, low mood, feeling anxious, depression. Then we go on to a potential withdrawal from society, relationship, anger at others, the world, that directed towards mm-hmm. the self, internalized homophobia. Yeah. Then you come around to exhaustion and no energy to fight or dismantle the oppressive systems, the heteronormative narrative, mental health difficulties seen as evidence that queer people are different. So there's that cycle that because we are who we are in the world that we live in, you're going to develop mental health difficulties. But because you develop mental health difficulties as a result of all this, then you're still seen as different. Yeah. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And there's this like cycle that it all just repeats yeah. itself again. But again, it goes to the importance of what you just say, naming all of this, making people aware of it. There is a cycle of oppression. This mm. is not something that is how many times is, I don't know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And you it's know, not unique there's... to queer people. This can like, no. it's like any other marginalized or minority groups and or whatever your personal circumstances, you can be stuck in a cycle that perpetuates kind of negative effects of mental health yeah yeah no I just well want said. To get academic bit in there so i look kind of intelligent and smart and i do my research you do you do look intelligent and smart thanks well, i just have actually, to kind no, of you I was know say you are intelligent input. and smart but <laughs> street smart yo yeah um no that is no well done because you did say that to me and i did have a look at it and it's spot on because again um it's hard and as you say for everybody but uh, being queer not having that if you live in dublin it's great you have a lot of access to different things but if you don't if you live in valley back beyond you're isolated even more from this and you don't know why it feels so bad and there's mm. a lot around you in terms of circumstances in terms of what may have been been said to you what um, society is saying to you in your little corner of the world and the culture there and there's so much that oppression is pushing you down and you may not know it's pushing you down. So being able to name it here, I think is important for anybody listening that goes, oh, actually, I, as you're talking about that, there's four things on that list I actually now realize is very much uh, in my world. So, yeah. And I suppose that because it's a cycle, it just keeps just yeah. keeps repeating itself, repeating itself, repeating itself. And I suppose it's how to break that cycle because I thought the last kind of phase of the cycle was just being so fatigued and so mm. exhausted that you can't even fight to dismantle what it is yeah. that's oppressing you, you know? But it's, you're, and, you're like, even if you wanted, I'm, I'm, I'm punching the air now, people can't see, but like, that's what it is. You're punching the air. You don't know what it is you're punching. You don't know mm. where it is you're trying to fight back against if you don't know it's there. All you know is you have to fight for something, as in fight for you. But I remember speaking up once about something that affected me or triggered me within a group setting. And it was a majority Mm. heterosexual group and I Mm. would be the minority. And I spoke up about something that kind of didn't sit right with me. And I wanted to educate and just say, listen, this isn't right. This is Mm. this is very kind of whatever it was at the time. And I was told, get off your soapbox and all this sort of stuff. And you're kind of like, well, what's the point? What's the point in trying to educate or expand understanding or maybe meet at a mutual place of understanding when you're just going to meet with, don't be argumentative. Defensiveness, yeah. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard. And I actually think the one of the next podcasts we're actually looking to record is talk therapies and the benefits of talk therapies and especially queer affirming. So, because one of the questions I was about to ask you there was, how do you get out of that cycle of oppression? How do you start to step out of it? Well, for me, of course, personal therapy is always a go-to for me. Yeah. I love to babble and talk. and My therapist loves me because I just sit there and uh, it all comes out. It's a great space to just empty it out. Like I mentioned journaling. I I am like you. I love walking. I love getting out there. I love hiking, especially. Mm. I love to get out into nature, into the mountains. Love the beach. I love walking on the sand. Like I adore just grounding myself. Sometimes I went to the Phoenix Park once. It was a really bad time. 
And I was like, no, I just need to get out of, I was working from home at the time and it just doesn't oh, suit me. Yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. this temp job. And I was like, this isn't for me. So I had to get out in my lunch break and I went across to the Phoenix park and I went for a walk and I was like, this isn't doing it. And I seen this big tree. It was gorgeous. And it was just you went there. Over and it, didn't you? I literally took off Good. my shoes, took off my socks, stood well the tree in the soil and just put my hands on the bark yeah. and well stood done. there. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Literally, yeah. I was a tree hugger, but I just needed to ground myself. Do and... you know that though the earth has a vibration frequency? I don't know what the, you, you, you look this up. Don't take my word for it because, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of people rolling their eyes at me right now. So the world has a frequency. It has a vibration frequency or whatever. Mm. And our bodies have a frequency and a vibration. And it is the same as the earth. So if we get dysregulated, if we go off vibe, off frequency or whatever, and just don't feel good, earthing is what they call it. And it is is that piece of even if you just go out and stand in nature with your, your shoes off and your socks off and you touch the earth, it's rebalancing our frequency. So there there is science behind it. So I highly recommend that. So true. Because if you think about it, like early people didn't have socks or shoes. Like you are always Mm. connected to the earth. And now I'd say the vast majority of the time we've got socks on, we've got shoes on, we've got slippers on if you're in the house. We don't connect to the earth at all. So yeah, yeah, going on a totally different plane now. Yeah, I know. But yeah, no, but it's true. Like, I mean, that's a that's a great way to um, with all of these things. They don't have to be okay. I have to set aside five hours in a day to do all of these things. But it can be like, okay, if I'm working in an office, can I bring plants into my office? If I'm in the morning before I go to work, can I do? Can I go outside and just put my feet in the grass or something mm. like that? It doesn't have to be ten things. Uh, get up at five thirty and talk to the Buddha. I know him well. <laughs> he's sound. Buddha, he sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, got a bit of a Buddha yeah. belly myself at the moment, so I just rub that. <laughs> Very good. That's good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. How? Anything else you wanted to say on this? No, I think that was a. I yeah, I think that was a nice journey through uh, different things i wonder how it sounded uh, when we get to the end of these things mm-hmm. i'm always like i wonder how that sounded what did we talk about what yeah, yeah did we oh, just stop you always talk very well and you <laughs> vocalize I... very expertly yeah. what uh, the topic is and then well like... listening to you, <laughs> you again i said i said it the last time as well you're so eloquent and i'm like oh jesus christ right what is it what is it we're talking about today do a lot of research make it Actually, make it sound good <laughs> can i just say this is probably exactly what we're talking about today that dialogue that we should just stop yeah guessing ourselves we have imposter syndrome and yeah. we are actually well, this is new questioning yeah. ourselves going like oh this that is... was awful yeah, this is brand new, especially, okay, I, I released one other podcast that I've just started. It was amazing. Everyone should listen to us. Trauma <laughs> Healing Podcast. You can find it on your podcast <laughs> providers. Anyway, uh, but this is brand new. Uh, you don't know how it's going to be heard. You don't know, and especially, you know, we just literally like minorly touched on this because we're talking about queer plainly queer it's a different world even say five years ago 10 years ago and Mm. it would have been probably a little bit safer to talk about these things on a podcast because now with social media now with the rise of hate happening we are opening ourselves up for these things and yeah i do worry about how i'm coming across i do worry about what i say i do worry about Bring it on. Haters going it's not to hate. because of that. I just want to do it well, you know. If they can hate me, absolutely. But Jesus, I don't want to say something that's going to hurt somebody or be insensitive. And that's what I get to the end of a podcast and I go, right, I don't think I'm not an insensitive person, but Jesus, I'm human. I can say something off the cuff out of a joke and it can come across inappropriate or something. So. We're probably going to offend people more because we're saying God a lot and Jesus a lot. <laughs> like, I, I say God a lot. It's also something. It's also something I'm fine with. Jesus twice in the last 60 yeah. seconds. <laughs> okay. So if the Jesus people want to hate me, I'm fine with that. If the homophobes want to hate me, I'm fine with that. So actually, do you know what? Because we're winning. We're, we're winning. 
We're going to yeah. love ourselves. <laughs> We're going to attempt to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's leave it at that. And thank you. If anybody has gotten this far, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will be back we're going to the next one we're going to record is yeah therapy and uh, types of therapy and queer affirming for- therapy and why you might think about i'm going to bring my journal mm. the next time and i'm going to yes a few journal quotes the epitaph and a couple of things so now you have to okay. tune into the next one because you're Yay. going out on the journal you want to see yeah we want to see what his epitaph is going to be before he <laughs> kicks the bucket <laughs> and you better make sure they write it on my gravestone okay i'll put it in the show notes folks <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you and we'll see you at the next episode thanks everyone thanks Claudia. bye bye bye